This is Sports Talk with Phil Kornblum, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Hi, welcome in everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Dabo Sweeney is still the football coach at Clemson. 24 hours after it all came down. It looks like he'll be there, as we said last night. Wasn't going to happen. A lot of talk, a lot of spitballing. Uh, no Dan Lanning for Alabama. Uh, no um, Lane Kiffin for Alabama. I wonder if Alabama, I wonder if they actually had an idea who they really wanted. Was Dan Lanning the guy that they they really wanted? Was Lane Kiffin the guy that they really wanted? I wonder Jim Bo Fisher. Jim Bo Fisher. He's out there. He's available. He's won a national championship. He coaches exciting offense. He's a disciple of Saban. Jim Bo Fisher. Not heard his name mentioned anywhere but inside this headset. I don't know anything. I'm just throwing a name out there like everybody else. But... Backing up what we said last night, Chris Lowe of ESPN was on a show today and said Dabo Sweeney is not in the mix, and Lane Kiffin's not in the mix. We know Dan Lanning, despite the fact that both uh, Alabama fanboy website and a TV station in Portland had Dan Lanning in Tuscaloosa last night, uh, he was not in Tuscaloosa. He was in Eugene. And he was with this team today, and they put out a statement that he's not leaving Oregon. So we'll see where this leads because this is the first domino to fall. If they hire somebody who's already a head coach somewhere else, this will be the first domino to fall, and then other dominoes will fall after that. So South Carolina looks like, according to Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports, their new hire coming from – Texas A&M is going to coach uh, wide receivers and not the tight end position, which means Justin Stepp will be moving to something else. If not, maybe moving out? No. But where would you go with him? That means if you're moving him, certainly he would not coach running backs. That's not his forte. Um, certainly he would not coach quarterbacks. They got quarterback coach, not the offensive line. What are they going to do? Something to keep an eye on. Phil Cornblue, Pat Daniel here in Columbia, and joining us courtside from the HTC Center at Coastal Carolina leading up to a basketball game for the Chanticleers tonight, he is Chris Bergen. Hello, sir. I have a question to ask about the Dabo Sweeney situation to Alabama. I understand if Dabo doesn't want to leave, that's great. I don't quite understand, though, why Alabama, and especially its fan base, has no interest in Dabo Sweeney. The messenger, which evidently must be some 
news site down in, I guess, Tuscaloosa. Actually ran a poll earlier today, and of all the candidates, Dabo got the worst rating of anybody. One guy actually saying that they, uh, even with his multiple national titles, he's so entirely unappealing unless you listen to him talk for more than five seconds. Bama fans just don't go for corny, very cold and cynical people. I just, I'd, I'd, I'd be really interested and fascinated to find out why Alabama fans don't feel Dabo Sweeney, one of their own, who's done an inarguably terrific job at Clemson, is not good enough for their head coaching job. Do you think that they are turned off some by his faith-based program, where That's religion, because where religion is that. such a big part of, of what they do and how they recruit, and also the fact that he doesn't recruit the portal, and now they do do the NIL. I mean, they they've gotten into that like everybody else has. But, I mean, even Saban worked the portal to get players, and you know, Sweeney has not done that at Clemson and shows no real interest in, in doing so. He's not competitive in portal sweepstakes, at least not to this point. It's funny you say that about his faith, because one of the respondees to that poll I was referencing said, quote, I will burn things with fire if we hire this preacher masquerading as a head coach. Hmm. Would give this a negative $11 billion <laughs> in terms of rating Dabo Sweeney to Alabama. I just find that fascinating that even one of their own, like I pointed out, former player at Alabama is not good enough to come back. And I think you may be right about maybe him not being enamored with the with the transfer portal and certainly evidently the his strong faith which shouldn't be a criticism but it clearly is at least to some and again this is a very small sample size but I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of Alabama fans who evidently feel the same way well last night there was video coming from Tuscaloosa of a group of people don't know how many but the leader of the group was leading a chant something like we don't want Dabo I mean they were singling him out by name we don't want Dabo, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are those over there who are in that camp. Um, again, my opinion from the very beginning was that Dabo Sweeney was not going to be in play at Alabama anyway. Uh, but, you know, as this thing, there's, there was talk that they were going to have somebody in place by today. Then there was talk they were going to have somebody in place that they told the team uh, hang loose. It's going to be within 72 hours. We'll have our guy. Uh, so I don't know. Nobody seems to have a real good grasp. I mean, they've thrown names out there. The old, you know, here are your potential candidates. And none of that has wor- worked yet. Um, you know, Sarkeesian, would he be interested? You know, he's got his starting quarterback coming back. He's got Arch Manning waiting in the wings. It is Texas. Um, he did make the playoffs this year. I mean, uh, it's not like he played at Alabama or anything. He coached under Saban, and Saban gave him an opportunity to resurrect his career after he uh, wrecked it himself at Washington. So uh, I don't know. Would you do that at Texas? Would you walk away from Texas to go to Alabama? No, because you've got everything that Alabama has with, and even the tradition that Alabama has. Plus, you'll now be playing in the same conference as Alabama gets to. So nothing that Alabama has, Texas doesn't already have or about to get. So, no, I think Steve Sarkeesian is probably a no-go on his own. He's, he's not going to even consider that because he's got everything he needs, plus his quarterback returning, and they should be a contender in the much deeper, now SEC, certainly a contender to win the conference and get back to the playoffs. I think he probably feels like he's in as good a position, if not better, than it could be if he goes to Alabama. I wonder what he, do, what he does with the quarterback situation there, okay? So, like, Arch Manning came in, 
knew he was going to sit a year behind yours, and um, he handled that. I mean, you never heard a word from Arch Manning, um, but now yours is coming back. So a guy that got you to the playoffs is coming back, your starter, and he's a good player. But then you got a guy like Arch Manning that, of course, was crowned as um, you know the next great thing of all quarterbacks coming out of high school. Is he going to be willing to sit? Are you going to split the duties? I think if you do that, you know, you got no quarterback. Um, is he going to sit back quietly and wait for another year? That's going to be an interesting story to watch this spring to see how that plays out. Will there, will there be actual true uh, competition uh, there at quarterback for Texas? I would think so. I mean, that's what you want. That's what coaches always talk about. There's always competition. And with that Manning name, I think Sarkeesian certainly has to give him a look. But, I mean, did they did they miss a step by not playing Arch all that much this year? I don't think so. They're pretty good on offense to me. And, guys, just to go back to Bama for a second and Sarkeesian, while we'll stick on topic with him, remember, of all these candidates, he's the only coach out there who actually has a win as head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. In 2020, Nick Saban was unable to coach the Iron Bowl against Auburn because of COVID, and Sarkeesian, who was the offense coordinator at the time, served as interim head coach for that 42-13 to victory over Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Just throwing that out there, for mm-hmm. all these candidates, he's the only one that does have a win as head coach at Alabama. He has had two stints there. The first time, he was an analyst there, and then when Lane Kiffin was hired and left for Florida Atlantic, Sarkeesian came in and coached the national championship against Clemson that they lost in January 2nd, 2017. He then uh, uh, left and went to the Falcons. He then came back in January 2019 and served as the OC for 19 and 20. And then, of course, left for Texas. So just throwing that out there. But for Dan Lanning, I'm not ready to put a pin in him just yet. And where I'm going with this is even Nick Saban, the great Nick Saban, he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins when Alabama made the switch, and then Saban was rumored to be there. And it was five or six weeks' worth of time where Saban was repeatedly saying, no, I'm not interested. First, he didn't want to talk as long as the regular season was still going on with the Dolphins. Then he actually released a statement sometime around Christmas, New Year's, give or take, where he emphatically said, like, I didn't want to make a public statement, but hey, I am not going to be the head coach of Alabama. And then just a couple weeks later, he was the head coach of Alabama. So where I'm going with this is I'm at a point now, maybe I'm a cynic, Mm. I do not believe any of what these coaches are saying until we actually see somebody at that introductory press conference. You are a cynic. Can't take a coach at his word? How dare you not believe what a coach looks you squarely in the eye and tells you? They they would... By no means would they ever lie to you or the media or a parent or a or a player. I'm going to be here for the length of your career, young man. That's right. And to the timeline here, I got it in front of me. November 27th, 06 was when Alabama announced the firing of Mike Shula as their head coach. Nick Saban was then immediately rumored to be the favorite. But throughout the month of December, Nick Saban was, was asked, basically every time he was in front of a microphone, he was asked about the Alabama job. But he was still the head coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins. Then on December 21st, he said, quote, I guess I have to finally say it. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach, period. Well, then on January 1st, 2007, Nick Saban met with Alabama officials, and he was shortly then, uh, after the season-ending loss to the Colts by the Dolphins, Alabama announced Nick Saban as the new head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, Charlie Pell did the same thing to Clemson. That's right. And to the media in South Carolina. I'm not going to Florida. What are you talking about? I'm not going to Florida. A tale as old as time. And uh, sure enough, you know, that's how Danny Ford uh, got 
got the job at Clemson, of course, before the, the Gator Bowl that year because Charlie Pell got on a plane after uh, the last game. I guess, it was, I guess it was against South Carolina. Got on a plane, flew to Gainesville, never came back. So, Well, he was running from the NCAA, though, wasn't he? Save, you know, I don't think Dan Landing would be running away from the NCAA at Oregon. Right? Uh, i got to go back and think <laughs> about that. Pell with Clemson. Um, did they have NCAA issues during his time? I'd have to go back and... I mean, if you say so, I don't recall. I think that's right. Yeah. I know a little bit later they had some, but nothing that would not be totally legal today, by the way, you know, when you think about it. Nothing that no, wouldn't no. be totally no. legal today, but they lived in a in a different time and a different era. Uh, what about uh, the story by Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports, who uh, reported this afternoon that James Coley, who's been hired at South Carolina, the board has a, a meeting tomorrow to approve uh, – athletic contract so you know that's for Coley and he's reporting that Coley's going to coach receivers he's citing a source Coley will coach receivers as uh I'm sorry it was Matt Zenitz who first had this same organization um he's going to coach receivers he's coached receivers before but most recently he's coached tight ends and that means that the Justin Stepp will be doing something else and the question becomes what's he going to be doing you know, it's a good question. I, I would have thought Coley was the obvious fill-in for Jody Wright as the tight ends coach, and I was a little ahead of myself. I looked it up. Hill had the violations in Florida, yeah. So he actually ran to them, not yeah. away from them. Yeah, <laughs> or he created so them once he there. got there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my apologies on that, but yeah, I, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure what Shane Beamer is going to do with regards to uh, juggling his staff because you wouldn't think Justin Stepp would be a natural to move over to tight ends, would you? I don't. I don't know the X's and O's well enough to to sort of parse out how much more difficult or how different it is to coach a wide receiver versus a tight end. Maybe it's not all that difficult. Maybe it's something he can't do. I just don't know. But, yeah, I found that, that report rather interesting myself. Well, look, never played the game at that level, of course, or really at any high level. But uh, it would seem to me that if I'm a player, I sure would appreciate being coached by somebody – who actually played my position. Now, I'm not saying you can't play another position and learn how to coach another position. You know, coaches is coaching and Xing and Oing is, is that. But I think as a player, you, you tell me as a player, do you think that players kind of like the idea more of being coached by somebody who actually uh, played the position or had been coaching the position for a while instead of just being uh, thrown in there at the last moment? Fascinating question, Phil, and I, I guess you'd have to ask the team. I mean, let's let's take Will Muschamp at South Carolina, for instance. Did the offensive players feel like they didn't get enough quality coaching because their head coach was a defensive guy? I, I don't know. And, you know, watching enough basketball over the years, I've seen guys that you would anticipate in terms of assistant coaches or even head coaches who are taller men. You would expect them to coach post players because that's what they play that actually end up coaching the guards and vice versa. So I think you can transition both ways. At, at least basketball I can understand. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit different in football because I'm like you. I never played anywhere close to that level. Heck, outside of pickup in the backyard, that's pretty much where my football career ended. Mm. Getting half coaching then. So I, I don't know. It's a great question and, and one that I would imagine here in the next couple of days we'll have an answer for uh, from Shane Beamer and the staff. Okay, uh, looking here, going back to Alabama for a moment before we move forward. So on three, Andy Staples has his updated Alabama hot board. 
So I guess this was how how old is this? This is this is recent. So he's got Mike Norvell, Florida State, at the top. He still has Dan Lanning on there at number two. This was last night. He posted this at 845 last night. Oh, okay. Then I need to find an updated hot board. My bad. Find me an updated hot board somewhere. I am hearing a lot of Norvell, seeing a lot of Norvell name. I'm seeing a lot of Norvell's name uh, being tossed out there. Yet he just got a major transfer from Alabama and put out a tweet about how great it is to be a Seminole and how – Things are looking great at Florida State. So there's one obvious question there, though, and there's an obvious question <laughs> mm. with with as as animated and angry as he was after not getting into the playoff, and with the now threats from FSU to leave the ACC. Mm-hmm. Could you see him maybe having that moment of clarity, like Dad Gum? We went thirteen and zero, and we didn't get in. I can go to Alabama and go eleven and one, and not even, or I guess they did win it this year, but past years they've not even won the conference championship and got in. Now with a 12-team playoff, I mean, Alabama might get in just about every year. Yeah, but even Norvell, if, you were to be, if he were to be honest, would have to agree that without his quarterback, without uh, Travis Jordan, or Jordan Travis, without Jordan Travis, sure, um, they weren't the same team. But could you say the same thing about an Alabama team is what I mean? And maybe that's maybe that's not a fair comparison. But if that exact team were at Alabama with their pedigree, like Nick Saban was, in. like this exact situation happened with Nick Saban, but their starting quarterback got hurt, Milrow got hurt, would they have gotten in, or would they have also been snubbed? I mean, that would have been the the subjective opinion of the committee. I would think that some of the same thought would apply because behind Milrow, they didn't have anybody ready to play, just like at Florida State. And not only did Florida State lose. They're number one, but their number two was hurt for a while also. Yeah, concussion. I, yeah. I know Rodemaker was ready to play had he stayed. Uh, he would have stayed had they made the playoffs. But, okay, let's see if we can find a hot board somewhere just to see what people well, and, are and putting Phil out there. to Pat's point, if Mike Norville also has a moment of clarity, he'll realize he's in a much better situation, 13-0, and 12-1, and 11-2, whatever the case may be. He's in a much better situation, even with Alabama's talent. It's easier to get into an expanded playoffs, I would think, out of the ACC than it's going to be in the expanded SEC. I mean, he's, he's got a lot easier path to get back to the playoffs starting next year than he would ever have at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Fair point. All right, our phone number, 888-898-2525. And that is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. A couple of other things, and we'll go ahead and get to some of your phone calls. Clemson last night, basketball, and Terrible first half for the Tigers. Gave up 53 points. Virginia Tech shot the lights out in the first half and really stayed pretty hot in the second half. Two Hokies had career highs in scoring against the Tigers, and Clemson never could. uh, Well, they did get it down to four points on five different occasions in the second half, but could not get closer and uh, ended up losing down the stretch. The game got away from them. Uh, had a real cold shooting period there and uh, ended up losing that game to Virginia Tech. So that's three straight losses with Boston College coming to Clemson Saturday afternoon. Uh, Chris, and um, I mean, what started out looking like a charm season for Clemson basketball now is is turning uh, very sour, though we knew that this was going to be a difficult uh, stretch to open ACC play with these three games in January, two of them on the road. Do you trace their recent struggles to their lack of ability to play defense in one or both halves? I mean, last night they were awful 
defensively in the first half. I mean, when you shoot 55% in the opening half, you should have the lead. You should not be sitting and looking up at the scoreboard and trailing by nine and be lucky to be within nine. And so they've got to figure that out on the defensive end because that's where Brad Brownells, that's in its DNA. They play defense. But, you know, the North Carolina game, sort of the exception here recently, but they couldn't play any defense in the second half against Miami. They certainly didn't play a whole lot of defense in the first half against Virginia Tech last night. If they don't get that corrected, they're going to struggle here the next couple of ball games. But they start getting into a little bit, at least this weekend, you would hope they can bounce back and, and look better. They need to get a win, regardless of how they do it. But they need to get a win to build back some of that confidence against BC. Yeah. And Brad Brownell was none too happy last night. We'll hear from him. Or should we'll he hear been? his comments. Yeah, he was none too happy with his team. He's not happy with the defense. He's not happy with P.J. Hall. And they said P.J. Hall has got to get back to playing like uh, the All-American player that he can be. Uh, he had 11 points last night. At least he didn't foul out. That was that was a positive. Uh, tonight in basketball, we've got the South Carolina women on the road at one of their favorite places, Missouri. And we'll see if uh, the Gamecocks can continue to roll and stay undefeated and maintain their number one ranking. They've had issues at the Mizzou Arena in the past. Uh, we'll see what awaits them there tonight but uh, South Carolina at Missouri tonight and you've got the uh, Clemson women at Georgia Tech you've got the College of Charleston hosting Elon and Chris you've got Sunbelt action tonight Appalachian State your opponent that's right as the coastal folks would tell you that school in Boone is in town tonight and Appalachian State is having a, a terrific year as a matter of fact through 15 ball games they are off to their best start since the 06-07 campaign at 11-4. And, and keep in mind, one of those 11 wins was on their home floor against Auburn. Uh, this team locks you down defensively. It's one of the best defensive teams in the country. They've got a very good front line. And Coastal coming off a loss against Louisiana. Appalachians also coming off a loss themselves over the weekend. So they are 2-1 and one in Sunbelt play. And Coastal's 1-2. and two. And news got a little bit worse for the uh, Shauna Clears this week as uh, Jimmy Nichols, one of their forwards, uh, re-aggravated an injury he's been dealing with in his foot. And he is in a walking boot. It will not be available tonight. So uh, they sort of thin bench got a little bit thinner for Benny Moss uh, as they return home. He's hoping to get his first home victory as the interim head coach here at Coastal, and it'll be a good one uh, if he's able to pull it out. These two teams, though, Phil, it's fun when Appalachian and, and Coastal get together in anything. In basketball, three out of the last five meetings between the two, including their most recent meeting last year, have gone to overtime. So if you're looking for maybe 45 minutes of basketball or 50 as opposed to just 40, we might have it here tonight in Conway. All right, sounds good. Let's go to the phones, 888-898-2525. RJ in Lexington, you're up first tonight on Sports Talks. Great to have you with us. How are you? Hello, hello. I hear I hear us in the background. RJ, are you there, sir? Hello. Okay, I think he's putting this. Sounds like he's cooking. Yeah, I think he's put the phone down and forgotten about us. We'll come back to you. Let's go to Keith in Camden, who's always alert. He knows how to play the game. Keith, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing great. How do you feel, Chris, Pat, I've already spoken to? Yep. Uh, a brief question and comment uh, with the move for the new coach and the uh, lack of clarity on where he might be coaching. I still go back to – Immediate need running back coach. 
seems like we're just bringing people in, then we'll figure out where we're going to put them. Your thoughts and comments, and y'all have a great evening. All right, thanks. Well, I mean, the insiders on the Gamecock websites have pointed toward Newland Isaac at Liberty as being a possible replacement at running back. Some say likely, but nothing has happened there yet. I don't know what the I, who knows? I don't know what the holdup would be there. Uh, his season's over, and he's available if he wants the job. I don't know what the holdup would be in filling that role unless Beamer has in the back of his mind of making um, Justin Stepp the running backs coach since he's now apparently going to have James Coley as the tight ends coach. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I don't know what he's thinking, and I think he's right. I think an immediate need would be to figure out that running back position. It's and maybe, as you touched on last night, maybe uh, uh, who Newland Isaac was who you had heard from Liberty that might be the guy. I would think you'd want to get him in fairly soon, especially what the recruiting period opens back up, what, tomorrow? Yeah. This weekend? Yeah, this so, weekend. Yeah, All right, we got to run. I think you'd want to address that soon. we got to run to the break. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And let me uh, hit a couple of uh, quick other items, and we'll get back to uh, phone calls here on this big Thursday night on Sports Talk. Uh, Bergie's gone now for his play-by-play duties there with uh, Coastal Carolina. We'll keep a, a close watch on the score for you and keep you up to date on that. So what else did I want to mention to you here? A couple of interesting things, a couple of important things. The D1 Board of Directors Chair, Jeer Moorhead, says the board, as expected, has charged the D1 Council with exploring and creating recommendations related to the president's Charlie Baker's proposal, and Baker expects the D1 Council to begin the process of activating the proposal he announced that permits schools to pay NIL directly to athletes. Per a timeline, it could be adopted as soon as August. And that is coming from Ross Dellinger, I think is with uh, Sports Illustrated still. And let's see, um, this report out of uh, Florida, ACC has hired a Tallahassee law firm, name doesn't matter, uh, but it's led by a former Florida Superior Court Justice, uh, and they are to represent the ACC in their grant of rights case against Florida State. Okay, so they're getting their representation down there. And um, also, uh, Ross Dellinger with an NIL story that a uh, House of uh, Representatives member, Gus Bilirakis, continues to work with Democrats on an NIL bill. He's updated his legislation to address employment. Athletes cannot be deemed employees per the draft of that law. All right, we'll see where that goes. The Braves today signed left-hander Max Freed, $15 million, and left-hander A.J. Minter, $6.22 million, to one-year contracts for the coming season. Falcons have requested permission to interview Panthers' D.C. Ajiro Evero 
for their head coaching job. Well, if the Falcons want him, why don't the Panthers just make him their head coach? Uh, let's see. Of course, Belichick now is going to be in the mix, don't you think, for the Falcons? Would uh, David Tepper dare reach out to Bill Belichick to come down to Charlotte and coach the Panthers? I think he still wants to coach. Don't you think he still wants to coach? I do, and that's twofold there. Personally, and I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, if I'm any coach out there and David Tepper comes calling, I'm answering. I might be on the opposite side of the coin from a lot of folks, but I think that's an incredibly desirable desirable job simply for the fact of David Tepper's track record, not only with the Panthers but also with the with the soccer team now in the MLS. I can't remember there if it's four coaches in two years or something like that. My point here is sign a massive contract, say five-year, $60 million contract to come to Charlotte, get control. He's probably going to fire you in six to 12 months anyways, and then you'll be able to ride off into the sunset with $60 bucks. and I would think other franchises probably aren't going to hold that against you because of the dumpster fire that you walked into. Mm-hmm. That's a cool, easy, quick $50, $60 bucks. Good investment on your time. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. in, but in reality, no. I, I would think Bill Belichick, the likely places – do you think he takes a year off, or does he go right back to it? I wouldn't think he takes a year off, because if he does that, it's going to be harder to go back, maybe at his age, than he just enjoys retirement. But the opportunities out there, the top one that I would think for him would be, the, the I almost said San Diego, but L.A. Chargers. Just with the amount of firepower they have on the offensive side of the ball, their defense is starting to age a little bit, but they still have some young guys and, and Joey Boza and a few other key, key parts on the on the defense. There's a lot of promise out there. And that's one heck of a quarterback, maybe not quite Tom Brady, but that's a great young quarterback that could learn under Bill Belichick. Long way from Tom Brady, but good nonetheless. Ian Rappaport reporting that Gerard Mayo, who uh, is on the Patriots staff, of course, strong candidate to replace Belichick, and that they have a succession plan in place, uh, as he put it, uh, a firm contractual succession plan in place, so... It looks like that is where the Patriots are going to go with their situation. Preseason softball rankings, Clemson number five, South Carolina number 17. This is from Softball America there. I don't want to hear that I don't pay attention to women's sports. Softball rankings announced on Sports Talk, number five, Clemson, number 17, South Carolina. And I just, ESPN never ceases to amaze me. At, uh, I mean, and it just never ceased to amaze me. Did you see this story? This is one of the great stories about a media company of all time. When you talk about, and this is a company, you know, that has for years promoted itself nonstop, uh, promoted its integrity nonstop, promoted its awards nonstop, uh, can't help but pat itself on the back at every opportunity, okay? I'm not saying they don't do some good things. They do good charity work, and they give us games. Outside of that, for me, as a sports fan, I'm just talking about me. They give me nothing. They give me the games. Sports Center is somewhat tolerable, um, but not as good as it used to be, in my opinion. Again, you can disagree. This is one man's opinion. But otherwise, it is a decadent operation with nothing but egos run amok one host trying to shout over the other host nonstop. but this this sort of takes the cake and this has been reported and it has been 
uh, confirmed by ESPN a few years ago. So the Emmys, of course, the award for daytime for for television, television Emmys, and they do them for sports programming. So just a few years ago, they had a, a rule that you could not win more than one Emmy for a program. And so ESPN wanted to get more Emmys for college game day. So what they did was they entered the names of fictitious people allegedly working behind the scenes, producers, directors, whatever, on college game day. And they took the names of some of the people on camera and just changed those names around to create these new names. And they entered those names for Emmys, and they won Emmys with them for people who don't exist. And then they took the Emmys, they took the hardware, and they changed the names to the people on the set. Like uh, Herb Street was given an Emmy that he did not win. Corso was given an Emmy that he did not win. And they got several of these. And, of course, that helps them in their promotion of, look at all the Emmys we've won, and et cetera, and et cetera. And this was uncovered by The Athletic and then later confirmed by the New York Post and other organizations. And ESPN itself has admitted that this indeed happened. And I think uh, they took internal punishment on some of these people, and, uh, and the Emmy people have also taken some action as well. But just how low can you go as an organization? to do something like that, to just create people to try to win awards so that you can promote yourself for the purpose of I don't know what, just the, the overall ego of the company and the operation. And um, uh, it, But if they lie about that, what else do they lie about? How can you trust ESPN at all? They were hard to trust anyway in a lot of ways. A company that fires true journalists to hire buffoons to do shows – my opinion, you might love them, that's fine, that's your choice. My opinion, buffoons, to do shows, how do you trust them to begin with? So, as you know, I've always felt ESPN, well, not always, but over the last 15, 20 years, I thought it was a deteriorating operation. The The fish rots from the head, and uh, I continue to see this operation. And it, indica- you know, it goes to show you the cord-cutting, People dropping ESPN. They don't think it's worth the money. Um, And yet they continue to pay their way into a position of power in the sports world. It's not like they've earned it. I mean, they have done some good journalistic things over the years. Not saying that they are devoid of that. But by and large, I think some of the other stuff they've done overshadows the good stuff. But they buy their way. They've bought their way into a position of power, and they use that power. And now we've seen where deceitfully they've used that power, and they should be called out on it, and people should call them out on it. And we're calling them out on it here in our little corner of the world and saying, do better. Absolutely. Do better. How can you be trusted? Do better. And some more info, because I had not read this, Phil. This is is startling. But so from 08 to 2018, this, this is just game day, got eight Emmys. Looks like until 2023, though, and if you already said this, just tell me to hush. Uh, until 2023, they were prohibited, or on-air talent was prohibited 
from being included in a credit list in that category. Hosts, analysts, and reporters could win individual awards such as outstanding host, studio analyst, or emerging on-air talent, but they were not eligible to take home a trophy for a win by the overall show. The rule was meant to promote front-facing talent from winning two awards for the same work, and that's termed double-dipping in something NATAS uh, rulebook. But it looks like there was evidence of they were submitting all these fake names going back to 1997 was when this started. Mm-hmm. So that's before game day then, I believe. And let's see here. Some of the names here. Kirk Herbstreet was Kirk Henry. Eric, An- or sorry, Aaron Andrews was Eric Andrews. <laughs> Lee Corso was Lee Clark. Chris Fowler was Chris Fulton. Desmond Howard was Dirk Howard. Samantha Ponder was Stephen Ponder. Shelly Smith was Shelly Saunders. Wendy Nix was Wendy Nixon, and Jen Brown was Jen Brownsmith. And the reason to keep those names at the end, uh, Wendy Nix confirmed to this article, to The Athletic, that she was, in fact, given an Emmy around 2010 and said she had no idea that it was improperly obtained. It just arrived in the mail one day. Hmm. But come on. Come on. You're sa- So what did you think you won it for? Yeah. Well, I think she probably knew she won it for her work on the show she just didn't realize it was gained through illegal methods i don't think the people who got the awards it was made clear that those people had nothing to do with this this was all done by about three or four people behind the scenes in the executive suites of espn who concocted this idea so we don't think that these folks knew those rules we don't think they knew that they were ineligible to win these awards i don't know what they knew but from what i've read the reporting has been that they were not part of the misleading got it they weren't part of the conspiracy here so to i speak. wonder if her emmy award says wendy nicks or wendy nixon on it. no <laughs> they changed it that's the whole thing oh they changed it they, to the correct name they got the awards wow. and okay. you know you can go in and i guess you know how those awards are the the they're all the same i'd say i know i've never gotten an emmy uh but they just have your name on a plate so I'm sure they just removed the plate, had another plate made with the proper name, and applied that plate. And to take it a step further, just to show how dirty ESPN is, because, okay, so in that case, no harm, no foul to Wendy Nix out there. But this just adds on to it. So in this interview, Nix confirmed that she was not contacted about returning the award bef- uh, until she left ESPN in August of 2023, almost like, you're no longer a part of our team. Give us the trophy back. Right. <laughs> and it's not on. even real to begin with. Right. Come yeah. on. All right. So anyway, just another reason, as I've said many times here on Sports Talk, just another reason to hate ESPN. They give you a new reason almost every day. We got to run to a break. We'll come back to your phone calls, I promise. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And don't forget to give Jimmy Smith a call at the beach to make your reservations for this spring and summer's beach getaway. 843-237-4246 online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Make that call. Tell Jimmy what you're looking for. He and the staff will get to work and find what you need and get back to you. 843-237-4246. The number will be back to your phone calls in a moment. This is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. 
Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar in training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Okay, as promised, let's get to your phone calls. 888-898-2525. The phone number, Hank in Columbia. He's made it back from Alabama. He and Nick Saban leaving the state at the same time. Hank, you'll go down his history as leaving the state of Alabama the same time <laughs> Nick Saban did. Welcome in. Yeah, you would, hey, Corey, you would, have thought the, you would have thought the president died the way those people were acting the other night in Alabama. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I mean, they had... I mean, in every every place I went to sit and eat, it was like you would have thought somebody had really passed away. But uh, uh, go on. Uh, like, try to start something down there. Um, I think uh, it could. It would, why would Demon might move step just over the coaching tight ends? Uh, yeah, he could. He could. Yeah, he could move him to tight ends, or he could move him to to, uh, or to running backs. Yeah, he could. Yeah, because think about this. Y'all were mentioning about the coach and, and who would you like coaching, but Jory Wright was a running back in college. He played for Jacksonville State, he was a running back. Oh yeah, yeah. He's just I, having I, to coach. I, I know there's I know coaches don't always coach the position that they played. I, I get that. Yeah. 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 I'm just Elliott, saying for me if I were Tony a player I'm just thinking if I were a player, okay, I would like to be coached mm-hmm. by somebody who happened to 
to play the position. I mean, most quarterback coaches played quarterback. I'm not saying they all did, but I would say that most quarterback uh-huh. coaches played quarterback. Um, I, I, see, I tend to see that most defensive line coaches played defensive line. And most offensive uh-huh. line coaches played offensive line. I think if you took a if you kind of well, took a survey, you you probably remember, find that out to be the case. You know, I'm a historian now. I remember, Sean Elliott played defensive line, but he coached offensive line. Well, I didn't say <laughs> every one of them. <laughs> and then I'm and not then saying every one. I'm saying I think right most would be like that. But but think about this corn mm-hmm. up at Clemson. Remember, Tony Elliott coached the running backs. He was a receiver at Clemson. He coached uh, running backs, but Jeff Scott coached the, the wide receivers. And Jeff Scott so, was a wide receiver. Well, Jeff Scott was a wide receiver. Yeah, he was, yeah, Jeff Scott coached wide receiver, but he was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is, I think what what I'm saying, according to is, uh, oftentimes when you look at a team, the tight end seems to be that flexage because most of the time when you go out, it's the, it's the uh, receiver's coach that's kind of coaching the receivers and the tight ends. And the tight end coach is a, is a recruiter because on some teams it's like the offensive line coach coaches the tight end. So I just could see if they kept step on and this guy felt like this guy could bring something to the receiver room and that's what he decided to get here, the coach would have got here, um, I could see him slide and step over and you just have a little bit more uh, power at that deal. It's yeah. like when Bentley was coaching running back here. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. But I always thought that was yeah. wrong to put Bobby Bentley coaching running backs. And I think Bobby Bentley was – he also well. coached tight ends. I mean, I think that's – the guy's a quarterback coach. He's a quarterback guru. You, I think you were underserving you know, never, him and your team by not letting him coach quarterbacks and, and maybe even what, run your offense. But one thing you notice, Corin, most of the other places he coaches, he never coached a quarterback. On most of the other staff, he never coached quarterbacks. Well, because he came so up from the high him. school – he came up from the high school ranks – and he, you know, he went he went from high school ranks to head coach at Presbyterian, and then mm-hmm. to move up, he had to take whatever he could get. Um, and and you know, he went to he, he went to he went to Clemson. Are you having a side conversation, Hack? We're gonna have to cut. Bye, no, Hack. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm you're, listening. You're, you're, to make this, you're having a side conversation. I don't allow side conversations. We don't allow. I'm you trying to make this argument. You, you ain't got it out yet, though. Well, I'm just saying, he went from high school to Presbyterian, and then from PC, I think he went to Clemson. He called on with Tommy Bowden's staff, and he was never able to become a uh, coordinator you know, at that level, so he took jobs as he moved from college to college. I mean, he took jobs that he could get, but anybody who knows his background never, and knows him a as a coach, coach. <laughs> he should have been a quarterback coach. He should have been a quarterback coach. I'm just coach. saying he never was. When he left here and went to South Florida and UCF, he never coached quarterback. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not – the guy's a versatile guy. What can I tell you? So I, I think they can find a place to step if he's valuable. That's all I was trying to say. All right. So. It took you a long time to say it. Thank you, Hank. <laughs> all right. Appreciate you very much. Bobby Bentley. Uh, let's see. He went to Presbyterian. And then um, – let me see here. He went to uh, – Went to Auburn as an offensive analyst, South Carolina running back, South Carolina tight end, South Florida uh, receivers, and then back to then to, uh, UCF as an analyst, and now the head coach at uh, Battleground Academy. So, yeah, underused if you ask me. If you're not using him to coach quarterbacks, then, I mean, I guess you want him on your staff, and maybe you had somebody else you like better or already had somebody established at the quarterback position, but – I mean, Bobby Bentley's a quarterback coach. That's what he has been. That's what he's uh, made his name as, is coaching quarterbacks.
All right, back to the phones, 888-898-2525, and we go next to uh, Bobby in Casey. All right, Bobby, welcome to Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year, Phil. Happy New Year, sir. Good to have you with us. Good to be with you. Put a new spin on what you didn't mention about LSU and Nick Saban, the Miami Dolphins in Alabama. Wayne Heisinger owned the Miami Dolphins. You bought that team for the Robbie children because they couldn't. Have, there was no will from Joe Robbie. He put them on a plane at night and took them to Tuscaloosa. Wayne Heisinger was an Alabama alum, and I still didn't like that leaving the Dolphins. I wanted to see him bring the team to where Don Shula had it at one time, mm-hmm. and of course they fired Don's son Mike from Alabama Brain Nick there. So just remember, Heisinger owned the Dolphins. The Blockbuster Waste Management Chairman, very wealthy. He's deceased now. He was brought him to Alabama in school, and great. He won six titles there. But to spend any way you want, you want it. But that was a very interesting, unique situation to get one coach. Jerk him out of the NFL before he really stayed and got something accomplished and went to his team. Mm-hmm. So he was looking at He was playing both ends of the street. And mm-hmm. I lived in Miami all those years, so I got an interesting spin on that. I know you're running out of time. Have a great night. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was an interesting time for Saban when he made the move from LSU to Miami, right? LSU to Miami, then Miami to uh, Alabama. And like I think we pointed out, denied all those rumors that he was going to the Dolphins and then ends up at the Dolphins. And he was there for what? Was it one year or two years with the Dolphins? Uh, with the Dolphins, he was there for two years, 05 to 06. Or was that just one season? have to go back and check that to confirm. I yeah. believe it was two years. No, it was two years, two years, because then he was hired in January of 07 to go to, to go to Bama. And failed miserably with the Dolphins, right? Did not have a good record with the Dolphins. I mean, the guy's been a winner everywhere, but in the NFL with the Dolphins, let's see if I can pull this up real quick, if I can find a graph that'll tell me. Uh, I'm going to run out of time, but I don't think he had a good record. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, so with the Dolphins, Saban, uh, did have a losing record overall. Nine and seven his first season, and then six and ten, I think it was in the second season. Fifteen and seventeen overall in his two years with Miami before heading to Alabama. Welcome back, everybody. For those of you just joining us, great to have you. You missed a great first hour. A lot of good phone calls, a lot of discussion, a lot of interesting comments. We talked about uh, what's happening with Saban, what's not happening with Dabo Sweeney, what's not happening with Lane Kiffin. What's not happening with Dan Lanning? Seems like they're kind of pointing towards the Washington coach, DeBoer, maybe as a leader for that job at Alabama among the uh, the odds makers. You know, I mean, he's a guy that was off the radar until he came to Washington. Yes, he won big at the, what, FCS level, had a great career there, and now what, one good year, one big year at Washington – um, is that enough to make uh, – of course, you can't worry about winning the press conference. You can't worry about winning on social media. you got to hire the guy that you think 
best fits the culture that has been established at Alabama, Pat. Yeah, and just one more note about DeBoer, too. Remember, he he really started getting more famous. Yeah, he was already good at the lower levels, but the year he was the offense coordinator at Indiana, which also happened to be, I believe, the freshman year of Michael Penix Jr., and that was where they formed that bond, which is ultimately how they then came back together out in Washington. DeBoer used that one year as OC at, at Indiana, where Indiana, which was used to always being in the basement of the Big Ten, was suddenly competing for the championship. Yes, they faltered late. I believe Penix might have gotten injured. But uh, he then went to Fresno State, Fresno State to prove himself, then to Washington. But he sure seems like a heck of a coach. But I'm with you. That's I don't know if I'd. That's quite the leap. That that that's quite the leap. I think I'd be curious to see what he can do without Michael Penix Jr. next year before going. And oh, you're just, okay. I'll take care of that one second. And one more thing I wanted to add with Alabama and with Miami because I love what Bobby from Casey had to say there right at the end of the hour. He and so many other folks down in Miami at the time and Miami fans were uh, were hoping that Nick Saban would have been hired to bring the Dolphins back to where they were when Don Shula was there. But instead, Nick Saban left to replace Don's son, Mike Shula, at Alabama after he had just, just gotten fired. I just, I just love how sometimes things, things work together like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a small world, the football world, and everybody is uh, connected one way or the other, either through... Uh, Ken, or either through you know former connections in the work uh, in the work world. So yeah, it's interesting how that happened. Uh, in just a moment, Mike Morgan will join us here on the program. Another edition of Morgan on the Move here on Sports Talk. And Mike is brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson. For 35 years, Gary has been serving the real estate needs from Lugolf to Lexington. Columbia to Blythewood, your auto, home, life insurance, and business insurance can all be handled by Gary. When Gary isn't refereeing ACC football games, he's spending countless hours helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. Go check out GaryPatterson.net today, and Gary will go over the best plans for you and your family. That's Gary Patterson. Dot net. Okay, and uh, Mike will be with us in just a moment uh, here on the program. And um, our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. That'll be uh, what we'll get back to with your phone calls in just a moment. And um, as we go to Mike, as we go to Mike, I... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Please take your phone away. <laughs> well, I'm trying. Everything's going through the mic twice I'm right tr- now. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to shut it down, and I don't know uh, what I'm trying to do here. I'm sorry. Give me a second here. I know I hear it is uh, repeating for some reason. Just press the power button on the side. Um, I've done that. I've done. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that might have done it. Thank you. A live look into the uh, behind-the-scenes production work here here, here at Sports Talk. I'm telling you. Anyway, uh, as Mike joins us, uh, we talked about it in the first half hour. Uh, All right, we'll go to Mike in just a second. Stand by. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. Yeah, not our smoothest transition ever, but in honor of all the fake Emmys. Oh, where'd he go? Oh, (laughs) Hang on a second. We got to wait for him to be back with us. 
We'll get Mike back on the line here in just a second because I can't say this without him listening. Is he with us? I want to make sure he's there. Hang on a second. Mike will be with us in a second, and we'll continue. You ready? Okay. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move. We've done all his promos. And, of course, uh, <laughs> following following the lead of our good friends at ESPN for creating uh, fake Emmys and fake names uh, in honor of Mike's fake Emmy from ESPN, he is now known as Morgan Michaels. So we welcome uh, Morgan Michaels <laughs> to Sports Talk. Good evening. I've been called a lot worse. Good evening, guys. Not to be confused, of course, with the great Al Michaels. No, not to be confused uh, with Al Michaels or uh, Brett Michaels or uh, George or, Michael or anybody. Or, um, let me think, um, Michaels Laundry or anything like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's great to have you with us. Hope you had a, a good week. And uh, let's talk about yeah. what has happened over the last 24 hours, man. Ooh. I mean, we've seen three icons of football, college and pro um well, two walking away, or one. Well, one walking away, one pushed away, and uh, another one. I guess. Well, he's still going to coach, but he's been pushed away from his job. Yeah, I. I mean, it's one of those where now, in the in the sports landscape, particularly in in football, things just happen in gigantic tsunami type waves. It's not just like a, you know, a spattering of news here and a spattering of news there. And then, you know, Phil, you squeeze in the Scandinavian ski report. Like it's now you're just bombarded (laughs) by all of these major storylines. Just after we're catching our breath from the end of college football season, you now have the greatest college football coach of all time and the greatest NFL coach of all time. Uh, both out of their post. And like you said, one is retiring. The other one, and Bill Belichick, we really don't know for sure uh, what's going to happen there. Uh, I, the only thing I can say on the, uh, the Saban storyline, and obviously when it, you know, when it alerted me on my phone, which is how we all get alerts nowadays, right, uh, I, I was surprised. I would not say I was shocked. And I, I've told this story before that, In 2022, which was the last of about a handful of Saban games that I had the pleasure of calling, you know, we meet with the coaches beforehand, and we had 30 minutes with Nick. And usually those 30 minutes contain uh, strategy-type questions and too-deep-type questions and how's your health, how's this, how's that. Five minutes of the session went that way. The other 25 was an uninterrupted diatribe on the state of college football and how it's in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I just, I've never seen Nick, like Nick gets ornery over certain things from time to time. And I think a lot of it, quite frankly, uh, was a little bit of acting to help get his team motivated for a big game. Uh, but this was truly genuine. You know, there were no cameras on. This is just a, a room full of about eight people. And he just let it rip. And it sounded like a guy to me that had enough, not had enough of Alabama, not had enough of preparing and scouting for an opponent and all the things that come with being a premier head coach in college football, but enough the way the sport is being handled right now. And I think, you know, the the final straw was just the end of this season. I think he really took a look at it. You know, we interviewed Shane Beamer today on uh, 
inside the Gamecocks, and he told us something I, I had no idea. The day before he announced his retirement, he was one of the 16 SEC coaches on a conference call. Mm. So he, at that point, he was still all in. Wow. I mean, he, he was still talking. And then 24 hours later, if that, he announces, nope, I'm done. I'm retiring. So I, I think that, that tells me a number of things, including it's with mixed emotions. No, he still has the passion. The game hasn't passed him by. He relates to players. He's still a, a magnificent coach. So he still wants to do this, but he doesn't want to do it in the current climate. And he finally said, you know what? There's no resolution in sight. I'm out. I'm done. I'm putting my chips in. I'm going down to Jupiter in my $17 million mansion. I'm running my car dealerships. Hmm. I'm spending time with Miss Terry on vacation, and I'm going to enjoy my best life. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, And you wonder, you know, the thing is, it might have pushed him out, yet he did embrace the portal. I mean, he used the portal, and he did embrace NIL because was it when Bryce Young was a freshman, he said, look, we got a quarterback who's making a million dollars. So he yeah. didn't fight the system. He might not have liked the system, but he didn't fight it, uh, and he ado- well, he kind of yeah. adopted to it, and he, he continued yeah. to procure uh, great talent uh, through the transfer portal and through NIL and buying players. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's no dummy. You, mm. you can't compete without it. I mean, you, you can't compete at a, at a national championship level if you don't go in. So as the, his famous words were, it is what it is. In other words, I don't want to do this, and I don't think it's the right way to do this. And by the way, I want to be clear on this. Uh, Nick Saban and all these coaches that are so critical about the way things are going right now in college football, none of them are saying that the college athletes shouldn't be compensa- compensated. None of them are saying, well, that money should go somewhere else. That's not the point. The point is, just like in the NFL, you have a salary cap. Just like in the NFL, you have a contract that has to be honored or you don't get paid. Just like in the NFL, you you shouldn't be able to poach players from other schools and other rosters. That's the point of Nick Saban and every other coach that I've dealt with over the last two, three years. So I I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, you know, old school or, or grouchy or get off my lawn guy that's recognizing that the system is broken and we need to do something to fix it. And it's pretty clear a sport that is a rudderless ship without a commissioner and with every conference looking after their own best interest, that it's not going to be fixed anytime soon. Visiting with Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move. You know, I'm always interested when these major coaching searches uh, erupt because I mean, there is a rush to judgment on who the next coach will be or a rush to judgment as to who wants to be the next coach or a rush to judgment as to who is on a list. And this time I think that the national college media is befuddled over who it's going to be because Dan Lanning obviously was the guy everybody was pointing to, and it's not him. Dabo Sweeney is kind of like the natural thought, but it's not going to be him. Lane Kiffin was a nice fallback to consider, but it's not going to be him. So is it going to be DeBoer at Washington? Is it going to be Sarkeesian? Does Greg Byrne actually have a plan? Does he actually have somebody in mind that he can go to? There's been talk of, you know, within 72 hours they would have the coach. What do you think is going on behind the doors there? Uh, I don't want to say panic. Hmm. That would be the wrong word. (laughs) 
and, and I don't know what's being done in back channels, but I can tell you that Greg Byrne is a very sharp athletic director like most of these guys. They're smart. They're no dummies. But how many times have you and I had to say whether it's a Carolina job search or a Clemson job search, just because you want somebody doesn't mean they want you back. Mm-hmm. And an athletic director can be the most charming and influential guy in the world. If the coach doesn't want to be at your school or if he thinks he's had a better offer or he's more happier where he is right now, he's not going to your school. So Greg Byrne, while he is a very adept and competent athletic director and Alabama's considered the premier job in college football, the guys that are all rumored for the for this job are all in really good situations that don't necessarily want to leave. I mean, for years, it was the Dabo rumors, right? And then lately, it's become the Lane Kiffin rumors. I don't think it's going to be either one of those guys. And then you just mentioned some other big names that, again, are in good positions that might not take the job. You didn't mention Mike Norvell, by the way, at Florida State. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe because he might be the guy. No. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, of all the other guys, like, he might be in the most precarious situation because you've got a, a program that desperately want to get wants to get out of the conference, and you just don't know what that's going to look like or how long that's going to take or what have you. But, I, look, they're all really good coaches, um, and whoever they get, there's going to be some people that are like, yeah, that's who I wanted all along. And then there's going to be other fans that are saying, I, I don't think so. How is this guy going to be the next Nick Saban? And the fact of the matter is, no one is going to be the next Nick Saban. Nobody is going into Tuscaloosa and winning six national championships. Uh, no one is going to have 10 number one ranked recruiting classes in 17 years. No one is going to produce 49 first round draft picks. <laughs> no one's coming. No one's following this. It's impossible. And that's one of the reasons why a number of these coaches, when they get the phone call, are saying, thank you. I'm very flattered but I'm happy where I am. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Mike, a couple questions if we have time here. First of all, just last last couple of years, I guess last three years or so, we've seen a lot of the what I would consider formative coaches in my lifetime and a lot of other folks' lifetimes out there for going back 30-plus years. Nick Saban's now retired, arguably the best college football coach ever. Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest NFL coach ever. <laughs> Pete Carroll, who found success and won championships in college and in the NFL. Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, stepping down and retiring. Roy Williams at UNC. And I'm sure there's plenty others that just aren't off the top of my Jay uh, Wright. Jay Wright, there you go, at Villanova, another great one. Is there something to be said about this just being such a transition period in sports, whether it's collegiate and professionally? Because we talk about the NIL and the transfer portal in college, but there's also been a lot of changes in the professional level as well. Is, is this just coincidence? Is just the way it is with these guys all getting older, or is there more to it? Well, I bring up Jay Wright because he's not that old. Like that, that's you know, of all those other guys you mentioned, you could make the argument. Well, they were kind of uh, in the latter stages of their career anyway. That's not the case with Jay Wright. And I will say this: Nick Saban might be the youngest seventy-two-year-old I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think it's an age thing as much as. I really think there are a number of coaches, again, if you saved your money right and you have enough that you could live on the rest of your life, they just don't want to deal with this anymore. They simply do not want to deal with this anymore. And that is as uh, disturbing as as anything. It's one thing if the fans are upset and the fans don't like certain aspects of, of all of it, but the people that are 
teaching and guiding these young men the battle every Saturday, if they think the system sucks to the point where they're willing to walk away from millions of dollars in the thing they love most in this world, that ought to tell you something's a little bit broken right now. Yep, and they're trying every which way they can through Congress, through the NCAA, to try to come up with some way to to fix it and and make it work, and hopefully they can fix it. I'm not going to say it's not fixable, but hopefully they can come up with a a plan that works. Let's shift gears for a moment. You were on, I believe you were on the Tennessee-Mississippi State game last night. I think I saw you on my channel as I was cruising the channels before I set on the uh, Celtics game. Sorry, Mike, you're up against the Seas. Uh, and, I, I understand. And what a great win by the Seas last night in overtime after getting screwed the previous game in Indianapolis. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry, I, I, but I did see you uh, uh, doing a pregame. Uh, but a great win for Mississippi State at the hump, beating the fifth-ranked team in the country. Yeah, and you know what that is, too. That's a win for South Carolina mm. because you want the teams that you played, especially the ones you beat, you want them to do well. So all of a sudden, Mississippi State, is a much more impressive win considering they just beat the number five team in America just a few days later. Uh, so that that was a, a win for Gamecock fans by proxy. Uh, but it's a great game. If you, it's too bad you missed the end, Phil. You missed a heck of an ending. I, I, I can only hope the Celtics game was as entertaining. Uh, but anyway. The call was great, know, Mike. Was, I was watching. Great job, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Get, Phil, buy that man a meal, will you? Treat your employees better. Uh no, it was, uh, you know, it's an interesting time right now in the SEC. Like, I've got Auburn, LSU on Saturday. Those are two 2-0 and teams. We have four undefeateds left. Oh, oh, that's it. Only four teams are 2-0. and We have four teams that are 0-2 that are staring 0-3 in the face. And then you've got, you know, the middle right there, which includes a 1-1 and Gamecock team uh, getting ready, obviously, for a big game on the road at Como. But <clears throat> I think the SEC – the game that uh, you saw and, and some other games already has shown itself very well as a conference here in the early going. Yeah. And, you know, f- folks who aren't aware, besides doing basketball, Mike does NFL football on the radio. I don't know if you're doing a playoff game this weekend, but I was kind of hoping you'd be assigned to Kansas City where it's supposed to be minus 30. <laughs> minus 30 wind you. chill. Let me tell you something. By the way, I had the the, the Jaguars Titans on Sunday, and I, I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence because he's obviously hurt. Yeah, and uh, the, the Jaguars really spit the bit on a game that you, you had to win to, to to go to the playoffs, and they lost to a five and eleven team. Um, no, I I do not have a postseason game, but I will tell you this: a year ago, the day either before Christmas or after Christmas, I had a regular season game at Kansas City. Of course, I'm excited. I've never been. Uh, at Arrowhead, I'm on the field, I'm mm-hmm. watching Pat Mahomes warm up. The temperature, the wind chill, was minus six. <laughs> I, I have never been in that kind of cold in my life. When I was an announcer for Carolina and did the Great Alaskan Shootout, it was zero degrees. And I thought that I would never have this kind of bone-chilling cold for the rest of my existence yeah. on the planet. And then I went to Kansas City. Minus six. I had to buy a winter coat. I didn't own a winter coat. I'm a southerner. You don't need a winter coat around here. I bought one just to stop from having hypothermia on the field and in the press box. Well, they're saying it it will be the coldest game in the history of the NFL this one in Kansas City Sunday. 
too bad none of us will see it because it'll be exclusively on Peacock. But that's neither here. Oh, nor I there. subscribe. You want oh, my? Oh, uh, that's oh, yeah, the Peacock game. Yeah. You want my? Uh, yeah. I'll be happy to wrench in my username and password. Perfect. Can't wait. Uh, Mike. You do not pay six bucks a month, Phil. <laughs> I know you. There's no way the Corn Blue family right. is spending you six know, dollars I on am, Peacock. But it's you a know, free three month trial. No, you know why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I got the real deal, and I got it because Peacock is where Yellowstone was. Ah. The the five ah. years of Yellowstone to get caught up. The only place to get it to catch all the years was at Peacock. And so, yes, I subscribe to Peacock. I will watch that game on Peacock. Next time you're, next time you're out west, Paramount. Mike. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Well, I thought that was Paramount, not Peacock. But, Par- but I got yeah. my P's mixed up. Par- Paramount, <laughs> has, Paramount has 1883, and they'll have any future editions of uh, ah, Yellowstone. But the, okay. the old ones okay. are on um I think I'm right about that. That's why I got Peacock, so I could catch up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pat's, got well, a good. Qu- Pat, yeah. Pat's got a question. And before the bring question, it, ne- n- next time you're out west calling a game, Mike, uh, do us all a favor and bring a, bring back a cowboy hat for Phil start, to start wearing during the games. A Get cowboy it. hat. He's a big Yellowstone fan. I feel oh, like yeah. the guy needs himself a nice yeah. hat. And a horse. Yeah, I know. need a horse. I need a horse. And a, a horse, some spurs, some chaps. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that'd be a good look for you, Phil. Thank I, you. I think we need to break that out. You, I mean, you are the the symbol mm. of an old school, red blooded American man. Back when men were men, if anybody fits the bill, it's you, Phil Corbett. I, I feel like I'm a throwback to a a quieter time in America. You really are. You're the John Wayne of sports talk radio. I've always said that. <laughs> Ask your question. <laughs> Back on track here. College basketball. South Carolina and Clemson both got off to hot starts. After an 11-1 start, now Clemson's lost three in a row in ACC play. After the Gamecocks' 13-1 start, only lost to Clemson, they now have lost their SEC, not opener, but second game against Alabama. Are the Tigers and the Gamecocks in trouble? Was maybe, to use uh, Phil's word here, a bit of fool's gold earlier, or do you think they can they can rebound and correct the season? Well, I, I think they're two different scenarios. Like Clemson was supposed to be good at the beginning of the year, uh, picked in the upper half of the ACC, a veteran team with Hall and a veteran coach in Brownell. Uh, they were supposed to be good, and I think that's still a good team. But conference play is just different. Carolina's playing with house money. I mean, a 12-1 and start and a win against Mississippi State in conference play for a team that was picked last in the SEC, which I don't think is going to finish last or even close to it, uh, I, I think they're really two different scenarios, uh, but I, I do think that, you know, the SEC uh, right now, top to bottom, and I, I was trying to at least caution, not warn, but caution Gamecock fans, be excited, be engaged, but, but also be realistic. Like, you're going to take some losses in the league, especially on the road. But the Alabama result did not exactly shock me. Now the question is, can you bounce back and try to steal one in Como? Mike, we can't give you a fake Emmy, but we can give you a real corny. Congratulations, you've won the corny tonight. And we'll wow. talk to you next that week. Sounds, that sounds really painful, but uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Mike Morgan on the move. Be right back.
we're back. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Ben Portnoy, the Port Authority, in just a second. But this big story just breaking. Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports. I think I might have said he was SI earlier, but he's Yahoo. And and Ben can uh, address this as well. So, he writes, the NCAA is expected to levy significant penalties on Florida State, its NIL collective, and a booster as well as an assistant coach for NIL-related recruiting violations in the most serious and unprecedented sanctions handed down in the first two and a half years of NIL. Multiple sources with knowledge of the decision and penalties spoke to Yahoo Sports under condition of anonymity. The sanctions, wide-ranging and broad, are tied to a spring 2022 recruiting event and are part of a resolution negotiated between the school and the NCAA. A Florida State assistant coach, Offensive coordinator Alex Atkins is found to have committed two level two violations, which include impermissible recruiting activity and facilitating impermissible contact with an NFL, I'm sorry, an NIL related booster. Atkins is alleged to have driven a prospect and his parents to a meeting with a leading member of the school's NIL collective, Rising Spear. As part of the penalties, Atkins will be suspended for the first three games of the next season, given a two year show cause. And also, there are two years of probation for Florida State, scholarship reductions of five over the next two academic years, reduction of seven in official visits, 23-24, prohibition on recruiting communication for six weeks over the next two academic years, including this week, prohibition on communication with athletes in the portal from April 15 through 21, reduction by 18 evaluation days this spring, a financial penalty of 1% of the athletic department's budget. Can't wait to ask Ben, between these sanctions coming out and then also not being invited into the college football playoff and Florida State trying to leave the ACC, how does this impact Mike Norvell's possibility of going to Tuscaloosa and Alabama? But then again, how do you look at Mike Norvell since this happened under his watch? Right. But then again, as Ben joins us, how can you – I mean, there's probably – 80 other schools guilty of the same type of stuff in this era of NIL, Ben. And welcome in Ben Portnoy of the Sports Business Journal, who was out at the national championship. But let's talk about this. I mean, if you're going to hit Florida State with this, then you better hit South Carolina. You better hit North Carolina. You better hit Oklahoma. You better hit Alabama. I mean, everybody is using NIL for recruiting purposes and everything around it. So how can you single out Florida State? Yeah, I, I think the thing that's so interesting here, and uh, I guess first off, thanks for having me, guys. Always fun. But I think the thing that's that's really interesting here is that this is the first time the NCAA has really hammered someone for this, right? Like this is this is not nothing. Obviously, Miami got in trouble for a few things, some minor penalties here and there, um, but this is real ramifications for an NIL-related thing. And I think that you know the question I and others in in the space and you know in college sports are have had is that, you know, is the NCAA actually going to be able to enforce some of these rules, right? You know, they passed some rules today about uh, student athletes disclosing any deal they have that's worth $600 or more, or excuse me, over $600. And the thought is, okay, who's going to, why are they going to have to, how are they going to enforce that? And mm-hmm. this is a going to be a test in that for sure. Uh, obviously there's a lot going on in Tallahassee at the moment on uh, about a million different levels. And I think that, you know, again, I think it's an interesting dynamic because, again, it's the first time that the NCAA has really come down and hammered someone on NCAA-related, or excuse me, with uh, on NIL-related things. 
um, and penalties. So uh, it's a fascinating dynamic, and I think I'll be curious to see what comes of it. And the worst thing that seems to have been done here is that an assistant coach uh, drove a prospect to meet with a uh, supporter who obviously he was setting up for an NIL deal. I mean, if that's uh, like the most serious thing, he drove a prospect and parents to a meeting with a leading member of the school's NIL collective to obviously negotiate, find out the kind of money they were going to give him, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, come on. I mean, we're, I thought we were kind of past that kind of mamby-pamby sort of enforcement of stuff by the NCAA. Well, and that's a fair point, right? It's like, and I think this is why you've seen so many people, and Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, was specifically call for ways to bring some of this stuff in-house if they can, uh, you know, it, it to allow schools to set up NIL deals and, and things like that. So to me, it's an interesting dynamic, too, because, you know, yes, it's the first time the NCAA has hammered anyone, but it's also, again, it kind of goes against a lot of the things that people at the NCAA have said and others in college sports spaces have said of would you want to find a way to let schools basically organize these deals, put them together, et cetera. And, you know, now you're penalizing a school for basically doing that in so many words. It's a really interesting dynamic, and it's an interesting line in the sand to draw, I think. Yeah. Well, if the NCAA thinks that schools are not using NIL as recruiting tools, not only on prospects coming out of high school and prospects coming out of the portal, but in trying to keep your current players by making them better deals from an NIL standpoint, I mean, they're just fooling themselves. They're just they're as dumb now as they they were over all these years that they created this mess for themselves. So they, they're really not getting any smarter as they've changed leadership. I don't see anything that Charlie Baker has done or has proposed yet that's going to solve anything along these lines. No, I think it's true. And I think, you know, that's the thing that I, I joke with people in college athletics, and I've said this to ADs before, is like, look, the worst kept secret in college sports is that kids have been getting paid under the table for 50 years or a hundred years. Right. Like people forget Bear Bryant got in trouble with the Southwest conference for paying players in the fifties. Like this is not a new or excuse me, the sixties, I guess. Like this is not a new issue and it's not one that's, you know, different than the previous years. Yeah. It's more complicated, I guess, but it's, you know, this is, again, it's, it's penalizing something that's been happening. Obviously, I think that, you know, we all know and talk to some of the same people and know what goes on at these schools. And I think that, like, it's uh, it's definitely a little bit – I think it's a little silly to pretend that it's not happening. And I think that it's why, like, if you're the MCA, certainly you have to enforce your rules. And I think that's, you know, good on them for actually enforcing them. But the flip side of that is, is like, what are we really penalizing here, right? Like, helping a kid get a contract for something or another, you know, to pay for play, I guess. But, like – for, for, you know, some money to, to play football. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, when you peel back the layers, it's a little silly, I think. You're exactly right. Visiting with Ben Portnoy, it sounds totally counterproductive, and I think if, I don't know, if somebody wanted to sue, again, of course, the, the NCAA in courts, like my batting average, uh, O for whatever, that they've, uh, they've been in court, and I think they'd probably lose this if somebody. But apparently Florida State has agreed <laughs> because they – work with the NCAA on the ultimate penalties here. So apparently the two sides agreed. And the penalties don't sound all that uh, severe to me. I mean, you're going to not be able to make some phone calls. You're you're not going to be able to take some official visits. 
I don't think there's anything there that's going to cripple them. What would cripple them, of course, is if they lose their coach to Alabama, which takes me to my next question to you. Where do you where do you see that thing trending now that we know guys like uh, Lanning and Kiffin uh, are out? Uh, Sweeney, in my opinion, was never going to be in it and isn't in it now. Um, you think it it lands at the feet of DeBoer in Washington or Sarkeesian at Texas, or is there somebody else out there you think might emerge? You know, I think speaking of Florida State, Mike Harvell's a name that, that comes up a lot and has come up a lot in the last few days. And I guess it hasn't really been a few days. It's been about 24 hours, I yeah. guess. But feels like about six days. But, um, you know, Mike Norvell's name has come up, certainly. I, I think that, you know, when you look at it and you sort of break these things down, it's more speculative. I would say this is more speculative than it is, you know, informed. But I do think that there's, you know, the thought of, look, he's got, a big program and an ISL situation that obviously he can deal with and, and has resources. Uh, he would be taking a step up in league. He's proven himself in a power five league or power four league, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, has been able to manage the transfer portal and all the things that come with it. Like on paper, Mike Norvell makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, of the guys, and he's also been in the South for a long time. So I think that, you know, you combine all those things, it makes a lot of sense. Now, Kalen DeBoer is another one who's obviously had a really fast rise. He's done some really good things. I think, you know, I think the idea of fit can be a little overrated. Um, I think it's something that, <laughs> you know, us reporters like to litigate and talk about and, and all of that, like how does a guy fit or not fit at, at a place. But, you know, I don't love the just the fit of Caitlin DeBoer at, uh, at Alabama. Like, I think that's a tougher sell maybe. Um, and then you go down the line. We'll see. I, I mean, I think those are the two guys that probably, to me at least, would be toward the top of the list. But, you know, these things can be crazy and – Maybe there's something that comes out of left field that we're not expecting. But those, those are guys that I think make some sense. Mm-hmm. Ben, along those lines, and personally I'm still of the of the mindset Lane Kiffin is the favorite. And Steve Sarkeesian, just to point out, because I think it's interesting, he's the only of all the candidates, only person to have actually had a win as the head coach of the University of Alabama back when Saban missed the Iron Bowl <laughs> a few years ago with COVID. But uh, I digress. So we've talked enough, and you just mentioned a lot of college candidates out there but what about the NFL angle? And I realize that's a totally different animal. Now you're having to do recruiting, NIL, portal, et cetera, et cetera. But some names out there that have been tossed around, Mike Vrabel, got to think he stays. But but Mike Vrabel, Dan Quinn, who's the defense coordinator for the Cowboys. And then one other one I'd like to throw out there. He's an Alabama graduate, played there, but he did just have a fantastic rookie season as a head coach for the Texans, and that's D'Amico Ryans. Any chance of any NFL guys taking a step down to Bama? Hmm. I don't think so. I, I would be really, really surprised if Alabama ended up with an NFL guy. I think Jamico Ryan's obviously just had a really good year with the Texans. Like, I, I just have a hard time believing that someone's walking away from an NFL job to join kind of the mess that is college football right now. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think there's a guy that really fits that mold. Maybe right. You know, look, maybe a couple of years ago, Bill O'Brien might have made sense, but right now, like, I just, I don't see that happening. But I, I think that. You know, look, like Alabama's going to have its pick of the litter. Are, are there guys like, again, is it Norvell? Is it DeBoer? Is it – who could it be? I mean, Sark, I think, is an interesting one in the sense of, I mean, he's joining the SEC. He's coming off a college football playoff. And you know what? He doesn't have to play Nick Saban's Alabama anymore. Like, is there a world that, you know, Texas is a better job right now than Alabama? I, I don't think that's crazy. Like, does Sarkeesian have a better job than he would in Tuscaloosa? That's totally plausible. So I think that, you know, Alabama could go in a lot of directions here, but I have a hard time believing that they'd go the that they'll end up going the NFL route. You think they get something done this week? 
that's what it sure sounds like the goal is now, you know, coaching searches can get crazy and right. It's always the, you know, believe no one and, 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 you know, trust no one on these kinds of things. But um, I, I, I think that this is something that they want to get wrapped up quickly and we'll see how quickly they get it wrapped up. All right. You're coming off the trip, to the national championship game. Hard to top that. What you got cooking for next week? Oh, we'll have plenty. I'm, I'm ready for a few days to, to sleep and probably play a little golf if anything. <laughs> But other than that, uh, we'll have some uh, have an interesting story dropping tomorrow that I think will be interesting to some folks about you know college football playoff in the four team era and what folks have spent uh, during that time on on their football programs, the national champions, champions, and you know definitely a lot of good Clemson information in there from uh, Dan Radakovich, the former AD. So a lot of really wow. cool stuff there that I think a lot of your listeners will uh, will enjoy. We'll look at that on the uh, on the website of the Sports Business Journal. And give your uh, your X address again so folks can uh, sign up and follow you. Yeah, it's at bportnoy15. So go ahead and follow me on, on all those social media channels and all that good stuff. You got it, brother. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Perfect. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Ben Portnoy from the Sports Business Journal, giving us the national perspective on things here on Sports Talk on a Thursday night. We're going to hit the break, come back. Got a few recruiting notes for you. And I think we can still squeeze in a phone call if callers uh, hang on. Maybe hit a couple of other quick notes. Update some basketball. In fact, I'll do that right now. It is Charleston 38, Elon 34, Appalachian 32, Coastal 16. Not going well for Bergie and the boys. And we'll be back. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people, and it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash betteryou 
to learn more. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Time for recruiting on Sports Talk on this Thursday night, brought to you by Seawells. All right, tomorrow, it's Friday. That usually follows Thursday. At Seawells, it's not just any ordinary Friday. It is an RBF, roast beef, roast beef Friday. Shout out, Andy, along with southern fried chicken and baked flounder fillets. Ooh, that sounds good. And then mm-hmm. don't forget all your local farm fresh veggies, salad bar, and dessert. And for the best in catering, make sure you give the folks at Seawells a call at 803-771-7385. Don't forget the buffet tomorrow. The buffet will run from 11 till 2 tomorrow. Keep in mind that story about the NCAA in Florida State. Mike Norvell is not named. So, as always, the head coach, somehow he's just innocent of all this other stuff going on. It's the evil assistant coaches that are breaking the rules. And obviously the head coach had no idea that this was going on, nor would he ever condone a coach driving a prospect and family to meet with an NIL rep to get his money. No way that that would happen at Florida State or anywhere else for that matter. Now to uh, recruiting, which is the root of all evil in football on the college level. Uh, South Carolina is down for one of the January visits to be taken by safety Jonte Gilbert of Atlanta, Chad Simmons of On3 reported that he's scheduled for Georgia this weekend. Tennessee the 20th, USC the 27th. Gilbert has been to South Carolina for a spring practice as well as a couple of home games last season. And Clemson is also a factor with Gilbert, who was once committed to Ohio State. Safety Jordan Young of Monroe, North Carolina, scheduled for USC January 20th. Clemson the 27th per Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports. Defensive tackle Elijah Griffin of Savannah. Georgia this weekend, Clemson the 27th per Chad Simmons. And South Carolina has been in the mix with Griffin as well. He visited the Gamecocks last year. Cornerback receiver DJ Pickett of Tampa has set a visit to Clemson for the 20th, according to Steve Wiltfong of 24-7 Sports. He's got Miami the 27th and Oregon on February 3rd. Receiver Edward Coleman of Savannah has USC in his top six Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, Tennessee are the others. USC target receiver David Rodriguez will visit West Virginia Saturday. USC offered defensive end Darren Eichenogben, 6'6", 240 of Durham. He also has offers from Duke, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, Maryland, Syracuse, Oklahoma, Penn State, Tennessee, Georgia, Miami, West Virginia, and others. Northern Illinois transfer quarterback Mason Kidd, 6'3", 209, is transferring to South Carolina State. Did not play as a freshman this season. He's from Lawrenceville, Georgia. 
Benedict College offensive lineman Joseph Johnson, 6'8", 285, is transferring to state. Former Clemson receiver Brandon Spector transferring to Jacksonville State. Former Coastal Carolina linebacker J.T. Killen transferring to Eastern Michigan. And Southern Cal transfer defensive end Corey Foreman. Oh, Corey. Ooh, wonder if he's still got that Tiger tattoo. One-time Clemson commitment, one-time greatest defensive end in the history of high school football by all the recruiting websites, who's been a complete bust in college, is now transferring to Fresno State. How about that for your five-star ranking? That'll do it for recruiting here on Sports Talk tonight. And it's brought to you by Seawills. Roast Beef Friday tomorrow. Let's go to Andy. Andy needs to get off the phone so he can get in line to be first in line at roast beef because first uh, at, at Seawells because first in line gets the more rare roast beef tomorrow. Andy, welcome in. How are you? And I like mine rare so that when you put your fork in it, it still moves at you. Oh, see, that's... But I prefer my roast beef Friday with a fried pork chop Friday, so that's mm. a combo I really enjoy. Well, that's tomorrow, First right? Off. Don't we have fried pork chops, too? Did you say no, fried? No. Fried flounder. Oh, something. fried flounder. And it's okay. actually baked yeah. flounder, which I don't think I've seen yeah. before. Well, it's, it's, healthy. it's healthier for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Corn, you lied to me. You didn't have the dock on last night. You know, Saturday. you're right. Oh, wait, yeah. What happened know? with that? So the the Saban thing the, the Saban thing threw us off. Uh, and I have, communica- I, I have communicated okay. with him. He will be with us next week, probably uh, Monday, Tuesday next week. He will be with us. Right. I have communicated. I have Thank begged for forgiveness. have him on both nights, Monday and Tuesday. Mm. Okay. Regarding the Alabama coaching thing, I don't understand this, Corn. You have somebody who's part of the Alabama media who is a native Colombian whose father used to be part of your show. Why haven't you called Christian Miller and get him on and talk to him about the opening? Oh, you mean have him as a guest to... to, Yeah. 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 Well, I mean... I mean, I I, I don't know why you don't reach out to the proper people. Well, Well, Mike Morgan don't know what's going on. Well, because Mike is a regular contributor. I understand. And at least is there in the center. Yeah, but that's not our our deal. I mean, the Alabama job, we talk about it and we kick it around, but that's not our deal to try to investigate and find out what's going on. That's not really what we do. One last thing before time runs out. Norvell goes to Alabama. Dion goes to Florida State. Mm-hmm. I'd Book actually it. like that. Mm-hmm. Book it if that happens. Cause then who goes to he, Colorado? He, you know he wanted to. You know he wanted to get that Florida State job before Norvell. If it opens up again, I'm sure Jimbo Fisher to Alabama. Jimbo run, Fisher. Jimbo oh, please. Fisher. Jimbo's got more money. He don't have to do nothing. You know he life. would get on his hands and knees and crawl to Tuscaloosa given the opportunity. Well, he'd probably take – they could probably give him a million dollars. He'd be happy because all the money he's getting out of Texas a But, I mean, seriously, why wouldn't Jimbo Fisher be talked about? He's not well, being talked about, which means he might be the guy. Texas a and Texas A&M ran out. I don't know what happened at Texas A&M, but I know with the right quarterback, the guy can coach up a storm. And with the well, we know he knows how to take care of NIL, don't we? Uh, yeah, 
They that all, wouldn't I mean, be a problem with him. They were, as long as you're not doing whatever Florida State was doing, apparently. That's, he knows how to spend NIL money. As long as you can give him the money, he knows how to spend it. Well, they got the sure money. Doing it they got the money at Alabama. They're not hurting for money. Don't worry about well, that. you gentlemen have a nice night, and um, let us know when Dr. Rick will actually be on and not give me any more yet. That was really just a tease. I was just teasing you. He will be with us next week. All right, there you go. Thank you for that. And that will do it for tonight. Appreciate the phone calls. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, Pat, thank you. Great job. Uh, Friday night, tomorrow night, we'll wrap it up with a big show. Have yourselves a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.